welcome to newearthnetwork.club's clubhouse room and tonight we will be speaking about the point of no return and what it has to do with spiritual awakening. I would like to introduce Christine Contini to explain what this topic is going to be about and then we will begin our discussion. When I had met Laura, I had told her that eventually she'll reach a point of no return. And what that means is not one more day. I cannot live my life one more day. And if I do, I will basically be killing myself. So in your spiritual awakening, you get closer and closer to a reality. And then it's like click and it makes sense and you can hold it and click and it makes sense and you can hold it. And once you start holding certain vibrations to let go of those, to go backwards and connect to vibrations that you previously held, it's destructive to the physical form. It causes disease, it causes sickness, and in doing so, you're killing yourself. And it can cause um, mental breaks as well because you have these connections in your brain, and if you start to deny them, the synapses have to be broken. And it just you reach a point where you're like, no, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to be that. And so now I just have to accept that I'm here and realize that you actually want to be there. And that's, that's the real eye opener is when you realize you want to be there and then it's no longer a choice. It's, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. So I remember the very first time I had this kind of uh, point of no return and it was a it was a time in my life where everything seemed normal, but I had been looking at false belief systems, and I had been progressing fairly quickly on the energetic slash frequency realms. And I had previous to that, I thought I can handle my life. There's not a lot wrong with what with this. There, you know, I can handle this. I can do it. I was the little choo choo train going up the hill, and then. All of a sudden, one day I woke up and I said, I cannot, if I continue with one more day of this, my body will begin to break down and it will, it will cause a reaction. And I knew it would cause a reaction that would bring death. And I had to make a choice right then and there if I was going to continue to try to battle this and, and fight this uphill battle. Or be willing to let go of everything I ever thought I was, everything I ever thought I knew, all of my relationships, including with the most precious relationships in my life, in order to save my life. And that was my point of no return. Phoenix, have you had any experiences like this? Uh, Absolutely. Um, I've kind of had two, I guess, in a a way. Back in 2001, I had an experience and I was holding those frequencies that Christine was talking about and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, But then um, something's actually 9-11 happened. And after a few weeks after that, I started to sort of lower, lower my vibration to sort of join back into this, uh, you know, to be able to connect with people who are having like reactions, fear reactions around the event. And I did that and I can totally relate to the fact that for the next few, you know, since then, uh, my, uh, my, my mental health suffered immensely. I eventually, uh, picked up addictions again, 
Um, and I, I suffered, you know, greatly from this. And so recently what's happened is I gave all of that up again. And because I'm now at this other point of no return and, and I'm not, I'm not looking back. I can't, I can't afford to. And my life is too valuable and too beautiful as it is. And I'm starting to sort of gain those, uh, I'm starting to be able to exist again in, in those higher, higher frequencies. And it, I know that for me and a lot of people, we're either going in one direction or we're going in, in, in the opposite direction. And, and I want to keep facing the direction I'm going. So that's been my experience. Thank you so much for sharing. Leah, I know you have something to say about this. <laughs> I think we go through several points of no return. Actually, I've been through several. The most probably significant one was when I was 21. And I was, I, I have always had very spiritual experiences throughout my life. And I knew that I was here for a purpose. But when I got into college, I just really wanted to have the college experience. And so I dove full into, you know, doing drugs and partying. And I was a little sister to a fraternity. And and long about my junior year, I was diagnosed with um, a tumor in my thyroid. And it was a very clear wake-up call for me that, you know, do I want radiation and chemo or do I want to actually listen to what this message means? And I went up to Garden of the Gods, which is in Colorado, and I laid on a rock all day long and just kind of sat there and, and got really clear, like, this is my choice point. Like, do I want to live just this normal human life that if I go this route, I'm on my downhill decline, right? Because once you get chemo, you're pretty much poisoning yourself. Or do I want to commit to a life of spirituality and a life of living, like why my soul is here and what I'm really meant to do. And I chose the latter and had a spontaneous healing that day because I was supposed to go in the next day to have surgery and they couldn't find my ultrasound and they did a new one and they couldn't find the tumor. So. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was one of those things where too, I had to give up everything because my friends didn't understand when I was like, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do drugs anymore. I'm not going to party all night. I'm going to go do yoga and I'm going to meditate. And so it really was giving up an identity, not one that I had necessarily had for a long time, but it was really that recognition that like choosing the spiritual path isn't the normal. It's, it's really a choice and it's a choice of letting go of all of the distractions that we have in life that would draw our attention away from creating higher levels of consciousness. I completely, completely agree with you. And I also think that whenever we, um, that we're tested quite a bit and with the frequencies raising as they are today, we are offered more and more distractions at higher and higher risks of ignoring them. Uh, supposedly in, you know, if we're not in the spiritual realm, if that made any sense, um, you know, with the political climates and the, the distension that's going on, or I don't even know what word that I'm trying to use there. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I agree with you. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with um, that as well. Like you said, the political climate, there's so many distractions offered to buy into somebody else's story versus just following the truth of who you are. And I also want to mention one of my um, choices along the way too, because I, I also agree that there's multiple spiritual awakenings. And when I first woke up to the ability to do wellness practices, you know, to move energy in another, another person's body and to help them. It was so exciting and so amazing. And I spent a couple of years um, hands-on helping people heal, you know, through cancer, through um, things that they should have died from, and just having all of these miracles happen. And it was very exciting. And then one day I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I thought, well, how could I, how could I stop doing this? I mean, look at the people's lives that are changing. And what I realized had happened over time, slowly, was people started to become dependent on me instead of independent. And so I started making an effort to teach people to do it on their own versus me to continue to do it for them. And it was that moment of awakening where if I continue to give of myself, I'm going to be trapped here. And it's, my growth process stops here. Now, I could have chosen to do that. But I wanted something more. I wanted real freedom. So I had to I had to walk away from doing things for people and then ignite doing things with people and getting them to do them on their own. So that was another one of those point of no returns. And I can always feel when I start overgiving because it it does start to feel like death. And that's another thing that I think once you've had a couple of these, you start to recognize them because that feeling starts creeping up. Christine, I had the exact same experience when I gave up my practice in oriental medicine. I, that, that old Chinese proverb became extremely clear. Teach the, teach the beggar to fish instead of giving the beggar fish. So, uh, Mark, what would you have to say about the point of no return? Have you experienced something like this? I have. I'm just, I'm, I'm in the car right now and I'm driving. Would it be possible to chime in when I park? Absolutely. Let's okay, move perfect. on to Samuel, to Sam. Hello. Um, so my point of no return was um, at that moment of a divorce. Uh, I had, uh, I was married one a first time in 2004 and that particular relationship um was a fulcrum where it kind of ruined friendships that I'd had for since I was a kid and it estranged me from family. And so I chose this relationship as opposed to what I can see now is not following my conscious or my intuition. There was just a lot of fear in the decision making. And uh, so when I got divorced, I realized that looking back at just the detritus of my path of what it means when um, what it meant for me and not following my intuition, you know, not following spirit, that it just wrecked everything. And so I was a bit listless. I didn't have repaired family relationships to go to. And my best friends and mentors had walked away just because of the choice. Um, and that was my point of no return. And I remember promising myself I would do my best to listen to my intuition and consciousness first as much as I could and then shortly thereafter probably within a week of that event um, that life event I fell into Aikido and with six months I met Ama and then within nine months I met, medit or I met meditation I met meditation 
And then I was doing yoga four days a week. And so my old life with friends didn't begin to fill back up. That took some time, those human relationships. But my relationship with spirit and my own path unfolded to me very quickly and rapidly through those other activities. And uh, and I, I'm still anchored in that when I make major decisions or small decisions. I try to feel my day out through intuition. So that was my awakening. So I have a question for you about Ama because mm-hmm. I know Christine has an experience with a being named Ama. Is this an actual person or is this a being that is not physical? Um, I think Christine call, has named hers Amna, and I think she has visited, visited her not necessarily on Earth, but there is a Indian woman named Ama. That's her nickname um, from Kerala, India, and she's enlightened. Um, permanently established in Samadhi, and I met her in 06, and um, that sort of deepened my path as well. Okay. So it, is, it is a person, yes. Okay, cool. That's what I wanted to know. And Christine, yours is yours is named Omno? Alma, A-L-M-A. A-L-M-A. Okay, cool. And I thought I, they were similar. Yeah, I met her on the platform of my first death. Okay, she's the one who pushed you back into your body. <laughs> yeah, I want to swear <laughs> at her every day. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I do want to share another point, uh, a spiritual awakening of no return, just something simple that people might not have considered. And, and, and when Sam says about um, following his intuition, I used to have this thing where I would lock my keys in my car. And it would happen all the time. And I, I started to say, okay, not one more time am I going to have this experience. And so I would hold on to this intuitive connection of to where are my keys. And as long as I could feel them, I knew they were with me and I could lock the door and walk away. But whenever I got distracted and I didn't allow myself to feel that connection, I would again lock my keys in the car. And I don't think enough people think of that as part of your spiritual awakening because, again, it's I'm doing something to myself to create a reality that's going to force me to become aware. And I didn't want to do that reality thing anymore after having to call AAA three times in one week. I was like, God, this has got to stop. So I allowed that small, quiet voice to say, your keys are in your pocket or your keys are in the car. Don't lock the doors yet. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so... So we're creating these experiences for ourselves. And I would venture to say that a lot of the people who are on the spiritual vanguard or the, the spiritual front line of awakening, it, they do something, we all do something that we call walking the line, which is when anytime you're on the forefront of something, you have less stability and less support than the people who follow behind you because there's a greater risk at possibly injuring yourself in some way. Um, at least that's how it seems to me. Or maybe you take a challenge that is a little bit too big for you and then you're suddenly having to work through life and death situations. Uh, Monica, can you speak to something about that or do you have an experience that is the point of no return for you? Um, definitely. I have definitely had quite a few of those. I I think um, after hearing some of these stories, there was a couple that now are standing out more where, you know, returning to that pretty much meant um, complete deterioration of my health. But I think there was like, um, I, I feel like everybody has like this one defining moment of awakening and 
um, that point of no return. And I feel like I always experience the opposite to what the most common experience is. And I feel, so I feel like I've had a lot of these. And I remember um, for me, it was always, I always seeked it out. I always searched for it. I remember as a kid thinking, where are they? Where are they? Like my tribe, my people, don't they know I'm here? Why haven't they found me yet? Why aren't they here? But um, there was a point where I remember, um, and I think I feel like this is this was significant even on this topic. I was maybe grade three or four, and I remember um, playing in the schoolyard, and I had the question go through my head, and I just stopped in my tracks. I was running, and I stopped, and I had this thought: Do I want to be a good person or a bad person? And there was no judgment, no matter what I chose. And now I, you know, looking back, it made me realize, you know, that wasn't just me thinking. That was just like that defining moment where I was being asked to choose and to consciously participate on my spiritual path and and where it's meant to lead me to, you know, um, go the, the path of the healer and it was an important part in that decision-making and then other moments where I chose and I agreed to participate in other things that were on my path that would cause suffering, but for me to experience that in order to be able to understand it and to be able to um, help others through it in the future. But there was, those were choices. They were conscious choices. And I do feel like they mattered. And there was a time when I was um, 20 years old, I took a prescription from the doctor and I was with a very toxic ex and I had a severe reaction to the prescription and I realized that there, you know, the prescriptions are very low frequency, but it was also so damaging to my body. And so was, um, the sex, it just felt like I just kept giving and giving and giving. And it reminds me a little of what Christine, what you said, you know, I, I tend to give too much to a lot of people around me to the point where it just becomes depleting. And, and so there was many defining moments where I had to say, okay, enough. And of course they didn't like it, but um, it was either, you know, either I, I make that choice or I go back and um, choose to devote myself to, to me, to my well-being and to my path, or I go back into that frequency, into that, those situations and I, just drain myself physically and it just felt it felt like I was physically dying I think that is an extremely important point that you just made in that you chose to remain in your sovereignty and anytime we choose our sovereignty over the belief system of the social world and social structures we are choosing to separate ourselves in a way that other people will not understand. And it especially, it's especially true in the med whenever there is something medical going on and you choose not to believe the same way a doctor believes because there's so much pressure behind you to tell you, wait, no, you have to do it our way. On that, yeah, on that topic, I want to welcome everyone to the room again. This is the New Earth, New Earth Network Club and our topic is the point of no return and what it has to do with spiritual awakening. And we also got in the, on the topic of walking the line. So what we would like to do right now is an exercise that will help you if you reach one of these points of no return to help you um, to realize and recognize what is going on and to not 
uh, put yourself in a possible damaging situation or to find your way out of it. Christine, would you like to lead us in that exercise? Sure, sure. I, would, I can run through it quickly. And I know also Leah has a, a lovely thing for us to, to try out as well. So I'll do my I'll do my explanation very quick and then leave room for that. With uh, when you when you find yourself either walking a fine line or having met that point of no return, you'll struggle with every experience that happens that takes you back there. And the easiest way to stop that struggle is whenever you feel pressure in your body is to stop. Because the pressure is the precursor to any experience you're going to have. Because there's some kind of flow, there's some kind of block, and either direction, either too much flow or not enough, will create a pressure in the body. So when you feel that pressure, you need to stop. Now, if you can, if you can recognize you're in a, like in a conversation and you're uncomfortable, then you can excuse yourself. You can, you know, there's lots of little things. If you're driving down the road and you're feeling that pressure and you can't pinpoint it, you may just need to stop your car for five minutes until the pressure goes away. And then as you start to to make a thought process of moving in the direction that you were, you might be able to then pinpoint what that pressure is. But that is, again, the very most simplest way without having to be um, like super powerful in, in any kind of brain forms is just to just stop and slow down. Because what happens is narrowed focus when you have narrowed focus you don't see what's going on and when you stop it gives your brain a reset and then when you start to focus again you'll feel the pressure again and that can help you see where what's going on what's keeping you from the full expression of yourself or the reality that you know you want because of this narrowed focus you're just not recognizing it so um, we also on Wanderers Handbook website we have more details on how to do exercises like that Thank you, Christine. So just a small summary of, tell me, tell me if this is what you were saying, is that whenever we are in flow, we are living the expansion and the full expression of ourself. And anytime we are not in flow, uh, there is some kind of stagnation, which then builds pressure that we can recognize in our bodies. Right. So it can be and the stagnation pressure, but it can also be extreme flow because that's another thing is you can start forcing flow based on desire and that'll also create pressure excellent good differentiation and now leah uh has another exercise for us that she can lead us through it's a timeline exercise that will help us to identify our last spiritual point leah Yes, thank you. So just so you all know, I'm certified in neurolinguistic programming. And this is a type of a hypnotherapy exercise that is typically used for healing. However, we're just going to do the first part of it today that allows for the awareness aspect of it. So a lot of people don't actually realize they have these points of spiritual no return. And because that sounds very drastic and we're always actually at bifurcation points where we're making these little decisions as to whether we want to elevate our consciousness or stay stagnant. And so I thought it would be kind of fun tonight if we looked at where our last bifurcation point was and what and that we chose the higher consciousness path. So if everybody can just sort of get very comfortable, it's often best. Mark, you may not want to do this if you're driving. But if you're not driving, you know, kind of get comfortable, put your feet on the ground, close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, just feel yourself getting very centered, 
drop your attention out of your head and into your heart and solar plexus area. Draw in all of your energy into yourself. We often expand out, out, out during our day. And then just take this moment to pull all of yourself back in to your own space and let go of anything that is not yours and that you don't need on this journey. When you feel like you've kind of settled in, which it feels like most everybody has, go ahead and imagine a line in front of you. Typically this line goes horizontal, but everybody has their own way that they view it. And identify what is the present point on that line. And then allow your astral self to stand on that point. If you're not familiar with what your astral self is, this is your consciousness. So it's not your physical body that's going to stand on the line. It's going to be your consciousness. So imagine a little, little piece of yourself popping out of the body and standing on the line. And don't worry, you'll be able to get back in. And then notice which direction on the line is forward and which direction on the line is the past. And turn and face the past line. And go ahead and see how far you can see down that line. Right now, we're not looking for any experiences on it. We're just seeing how far we can see the line go. Some people will see an endpoint to that line. That endpoint for a lot of people, if you see that, is often the moment of your birth, which means that you're allowing yourself to see this lifetime and only this lifetime. If your line goes to where you can't see it anymore. It just fades off in the distance like a long, long, long road in the desert. Then that's an indication that you're allowing yourself to see past this lifetime and into and through alternate lifetimes. Now we're only staying on one timeline. We're always on multiple timelines. So what we're really doing in this exercise is focusing on the timeline that our current consciousness is aware of in this incarnation. And we're only asking our astral body to show us on our timeline, the last point of no return that we experienced where we chose to up level our consciousness. And what you will see typically is a little blinking light on that line or it might be a flag. Some people see a marker of some other sort pop up on that line. Allow yourself to go to that line, to that marker, and hover above it. And then look down into where the line would be and through it and allow yourself to see what that experience was. You're basically dropping into a moment in time as if you're dropping into the movie of your life that's playing and you get to be the watcher. Notice who's there. 
Notice what time of day it was. Notice what you were doing at that moment. Notice what you were thinking, how you were feeling. And what the question was posed to you that had you choose higher consciousness or the path of least resistance. If you're having a hard time seeing the moment, take a deep breath, blink your eyes a few times and open them and allow yourself to see it because your body knows, your memory knows what it is. It might just be sometimes our conscious mind is so powerful that we, we try to control the process. Like, oh, I think I know what it is, so I'm going here. But it's often a surprise. And give yourself a moment to actually acknowledge yourself for choosing the higher level of consciousness. It's nice to beam gratitude at that past self. It's really just an energy vibration of you that you've brought with you into the future, but it's always nice to give it a nice little plug. And then when you're ready, pop back up onto that timeline, travel back to the point of the present, turn and face your body, and come back in and integrate back into your body fully. Allow the timeline in front of you to disappear again. Take a deep breath, smile at yourself, and return to the room. And I'd love to hear what some people experienced. What was your moment? Wow, that was really cool. Thank you, Leah. So does anyone want to share what they experienced? Awesome. Uh, so it wasn't too far back for me. It was actually Sunday. And um, I had a huge, in the shower actually, um, kind of inner journey about abandonment consciousness and kind of perceiving it against universal consciousness and that it wasn't connected and that I could break it off. Um, so it was just something. That's awesome. Mark. Hey, um, I was, I was parked for that. So I did get to experience it, which was great. And mine actually popped up on Sunday as well. Um, I was just by myself on Sunday. Uh, my fiance was in Mexico and I was at home just like working the weekend. And on Sunday I had a sort of a weird interaction with a friend of ours who she was going to a event that a friend, like another friend of mine, um, was having, but there was, someone was going to be there and I am not okay being in the same place as this person. So I kind of was like, okay. And she said, like, he, like, this person's going to be there. Um, you, like, it might be a conflict for you to be there. 
but I didn't know if that if if, I, if someone had told her to not like for me to not be there, or if it, she was kind of just saying like maybe it's best if you don't come. But basically, I had to kind of resolve in myself that it was okay for me not to be there, and the best thing was for me to be by myself for that night, and to kind of like do some self reflection and some inner work, and just kind of be there with myself and be like why. What is it that's what? What is it that this experience is telling me to look at, and why is it necessary for me to be by myself and to learn to be okay by myself? Because I don't really spend a lot of time by myself that much anymore. Because I'm I'm constantly with my um, with my partner because we live together. We yeah, we're constantly in each other's space, and for me to for me to have that moment by myself was actually a blessing. And I needed to understand that I don't need to constantly be going where the people are at to be able to feel like I'm getting, I don't know, whatever it is that I need to get from being in a party environment or something like that. But definitely being able to understand that I am all I need and that's what's going to be able to help me fully understand and realize what it is that I need to give to others. Hmm. That's a beautiful thing to recognize is that, you know, we, we grow so much from our relationships, but sometimes we end up giving them so much energy and space that we lose ourselves in them. So it's wonderful when you get that sense that it's time for you to step out and really look at like, what, what do I need right now? How do I need to grow on my own? Even if it's just an afternoon. Definitely. So I'll share my experience with you. Um, I, my most recent one was, um, it was, I was in, it was in the afternoon. I was doing something around food and all of a sudden I left my body and I was in the presence of what you would call like a council or a federation. And they asked me to do work for them. It was a work gig. And I, I had refused this kind of work before because I don't like it. Or I don't like, I don't like what it entails having to do here in this reality. People call it channeling. People call it stuff like that. I don't like calling it channeling because it's a conversation and bringing a message from there to here with my own, you know, perspective in it. And I was asked to do that and to step forward in that. And I had to make a choice if I wanted to do that and still keep it as part of my truth. Because part of part of what I've been going through for many lifetimes and a long time is hiding. I've been in hiding. And I was asked to step out of hiding. And that was really hard for me. I would love your opinion on that, Leah. <laughs> not for me to have an opinion about Laura <laughs> I know I know mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> well it was just a really hard thing to do that's all so. no I commend you for being able to see it I think it's interesting that it's popping up right now because more than ever I think those of us who have awareness are are supposed to be seen even though it would be way easier right now not to and Monica, did you have something to share? <laughs> yes. Um, 
Laura, I, I can understand the whole hiding thing because I feel like that's what I've been doing. It's like when people ask me, so what do I do? It's like, um, I work my with my husband, but I just kind of hide in the background. <laughs> but, um, but Leia, actually, that was really fantastic. Um, so my experience here was, um, maybe this may not have been the most recent one, but this was a very significant one. So uh, this was amazing for me. Um, so last, a little over a year ago, I had a, um, like a spiritual healing appointment thing where I, I feel like, hey, you know, I decided to bite off a little, a lot more than I can chew in terms of how much progress I wanted to make. And, um, and I kind of struggled with it because it became a little bit overwhelming. I had to look at a lot of things very quickly. And it was a lot of the, the big things in my life that I'd been building up towards for the last 15 years. And um, looking back at it now, what made me realize I went back, that's the moment that stood out. So I went back to that point And I realized, wait a minute, that was actually not the defining moment. The defining moment was a little bit before that when I was at a friend's in the States who has a spiritual retreat and I was um, out there having a great time and I was outside walking around the property by myself and I realized I was contemplating my life and how I want to go about things and and it was just um, a very defining moment where I, I realized, you know what, I had tapped into a better frequency that I just wanted to um, maintain better and and I feel like, you know, coming back into my body, I just, it was a really great remembering moment where, where that overwhelm that I'd been sort of um, struggling with for a while sort of dissipated and I realized, oh yeah, and one of my guys just came to me in that moment and said, there, you see, now finally you get it and I'm just like, oh yeah. <laughs> So um, it was it was actually really absolutely amazing for me. So thank you for that. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm super curious if any of um, those of you who are listening um, would like to raise your hand and share what your experience was. All right, everybody's shy tonight. <laughs> So in terms of the spiritual point of no return, I'm, I, I think that one of the things that also um, comes to me when I think of this topic is the idea that you only get one. And I, I don't think that's true. I think not only are there multiple ones after the initial one, but I think you keep getting chances to have your spiritual awakening. And so you may deny it or not choose it multiple times, but you keep getting that. It, it's almost like, you know, how the DNA chains cross over each other. It's like you get this cross point. Here's a chance to choose it. Okay, not this time. All right, here you live a little bit more on this path. Here's another time to choose it. And I'm curious if any of you have noticed, like, that different times have come up for you that you've been like, oh, yeah, 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 not now. Looks like Don has joined us. Don, we are also <laughs> recording for a podcast, so hopefully you're okay with having your voice on our podcast too and your experience. Yes, you are. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hello. Well, I love the topic because, uh, you know, I, you get asked in so many different ways. 
what was the most significant, um, the most recent, or what was the oldest one. I'm 70 years old, and if I look back at the first time I had to decide on a spiritual direction or self-centered direction, wow, it was many, many experiences ago. So I had to reflect back at the um, most significant. And um, it's those life choices you make, uh, well, I made anyways, that uh, it was almost like you were being forced to choose one way or the other. So choose a spiritual direction or choose choose self-centered. And... Um, and they turned out to be the most difficult. They also were the most rewarding for that reason. Uh, but great topic. So, Don, was there one in particular that that you recall the specifics of where you had to make that, that difficult choice of this well, way or there, that way? there was. I had an image of myself in my basement. At, um, well, I was, I was younger than... 35 because I was still racing bicycles at that time and I can remember it as if it were yesterday I was down there dressed ready to get on my bicycle and had this big conversation um, with God uh, because of circumstances and uh, um it was, it was just one of those moments that, you, you know, you remember because you make a choice. And, um, and I made a choice. Uh, it was a difficult choice, it was, but it was a correct choice. I could have made a choice that was much easier. And that was really the point, is that, you know, that, that time and other times, you know you're being confronted with doing something that's easy or doing something that's difficult. A spiritual journey in itself is a, there's thousands of choices like that. It's daily, daily choices absolutely. when you walk up, walk up the door. Yeah, absolutely, Don. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I bet you have so many more you could share with us. Um, I know Christine had mentioned she had one as well. Oh, so many of where I woke up and I went back to sleep. But one of the ones that was more fun was I, um, so before I was born, my mother miscarried my twin. And I had a moment where I was, a, you know, in, in junior high and I was crushing on this boy and he couldn't make up his mind whether he liked me or my friend. And I know <laughs> it was just a ridiculous point in time in my life, but I was so hurt that he couldn't just pick me, that I went to bed that night just so distraught. And my twin actually came to me and explained to me what was going on, why it was happening, how the rest of my life was going to be. And, and I was peaceful and restful after that instead of distraught and destroyed. And I didn't remember the experience until after I had reawakened years and years later. But in that moment when I had the experience, when she had left me, I reached over and touched the bed where she had been, and the bed was warm. And that was so comforting to me because I was like, she really was here. This wasn't my imagination. 
I've got one. Thanks. Thanks, Christine. Thank you, Christine. I, I was waiting for Leah to come back on and say that to welcome her <laughs> right? back. She's been moderating this part. <laughs> I've, I've got a, a quick one um, I can share about uh, the on the time or, you know, being on that the, during that exercise. Um, I couldn't see very far down into the past at all. Like it, it was really short. And then I, I found, um, it was, it was last night as far as, uh, choosing to sort of elevate myself and, and not constrict and hide who I am. Cause that's kind of what it is for me. And because of the fear of being judged. And it was something that, that honest, that I had told Laura last night, you know, for as simple as that sounds, you know, that's really significant for me. Um, but the, the time, and I'll tell real quick, um, that I didn't do that. And it's the most significant time. It was, it was the morning of nine 11 and I was driving and I had felt like I had been online for quite a while and I was driving and I felt, uh, this, this sort of static sort of enter my brain. And, and I got this message that what I had, how I had been functioning was, or what was given to me was by grace. And now, and this is before I knew that, that, that airplane had hit the tower or anything. I didn't know anything yet, but now I was going to have to choose between fear and love, just like everybody else. And I wasn't sure what that meant, but like I said, you know, before regarding this, you know, part of my life, I chose fear. I didn't stay within that vibration. And, you know, that was just like ultimately so detrimental. So I just wanted to share those two with you. Mm, thank you for sharing that, Phoenix. You know, I think there are times when we, we all choose fear because it feels like the only choice. And just based on this, this situation and also sometimes the collective frequency is very powerful. You know, there's a lot of times and I know 9-11 was one of those days where like the energy of that day was so fiercely intense for anybody who's an empath, um, there's the heaviness of it and the intensity of it and, and that challenges your consciousness right and your vibration and your frequency if you allow yourself to kind of slide into the collective as opposed to staying sovereign monica did you have something to share um yes i want to add to what you were saying just now and earlier um i feel like okay yes so you know a lot of times um sort of that point of no return we kind of or at least for me i'd go a little bit back and forth you know dip your head in, dip your toe in um, to test the water type of thing and keep doing that or, you know, not really jump in head first, but it's like, we, um, it's like, we're just not quite ready yet. And, um, I was listening to Abraham Hicks today and I love this phrase that they always use. It's like, we're getting ready to be ready to be ready. And I think that that's very significant here because it's like, you know, we're, we're not doing it this yet we're we're not quite ready and we're just building up to it so right now it's like okay our reflex is fear because that's what we have become used to but we're sort of building up to it and it's like we're getting ready to be ready if that makes sense and what do you think we're getting ready to be ready for um to choose love over fear 
to choose the higher our higher path instead of the the sort of lower path for lack of a better term but um to to live true to ourselves to really listen to our intuition our guides our path as opposed to being pulled into all the distortion and all the you know expectations of the 3D and and to just really be true to who um we are like um to be sovereign beings beautiful beautiful so where else do we want to go with this are there other questions other things we haven't explored around this spiritual point of no return i had an interesting thought a moment ago um is you know when we we've talked a lot about our old life dropping off and that can include interests i think you know um including diet you know we you know realize some food gives us more light than others and so we just stop eating those processed potato chips um and i remember sort of dumping a lot of my old life uh football games and i wasn't ever much of a drinker but even not drinking anymore just sort of tidying up some of those areas that i thought i needed at the time and then eventually um a Red Sox game would come on and I found myself, ooh, let's watch the Red Sox, but I wasn't so attached to it anymore. And it could come or go and I was entertained for five minutes or 20 minutes. Um, but if I walked away, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Um, and it felt good to be able to enjoy uh, certain aspects while not having that attachment where it felt like all Sunday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm watching every football game. And I was just curious if anybody else had that experience where their attachment to, you know, things in the material world shifted or changed, um, where they could enjoy things still or not at all, or some things had to be permanently left behind because that was part of my journey. I relate to that a lot because having six kids and always wanting to make sure they had the perfect experience, I had these kinds of attachments. And I can take it all the way back to the moment I realized I had attachments. I was looking at a piece of artwork that one of my kids had done for me, and it was hanging on the wall. And I had just had a really big experience with witnessing my grandfather's death and uh, on a spiritual level. And I fell back into the room, and then when I looked at that piece of artwork on the wall, I realized that my attachment was to keeping that on the wall so that I wouldn't harm my child. Because if I took it down, he may think that I love him less or that I don't appreciate the gift that he gave me. And I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. I should be able to just enjoy my world and not be obligated to fear because of my world. And that was my moment that I broke that behavior. And now I live free and I don't have that problem anymore. You give me something, I can appreciate it. I'm not worried if I decide to give it away. I'm not worried if it gets destroyed. I mean, my mother was giving us, um, all of us, her cherished teddy um, collection. She was giving that away at one point. And I said, well, Mom, you're giving these to kids that might break them. And I didn't expect my mom to be okay because she's the one that taught me ownership of things. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I understand now. And I was like, wow. So it's nice to have that freedom to just enjoy life and not be attached to it. And then to see that in others, it's, it just makes your world better. 
Yeah, and I would say I've had that too, Samuel, where things that I used to love and enjoy, they, I just kind of lost my passion for them after, you know, a couple of my point of no returns. And it was, it was weird because it was, I had to recognize that apparently a part of my identity that I had chosen to shed was the part of my identity that had attached to that and that had, um, but felt that that was part of who I needed to be to be happy. But it's we it's a weird feeling to go like, Hey, why don't I like this anymore? Like, why doesn't this bring me joy anymore? And then needing to find the things that, that do connect with me more at that spirit level that make my soul sing as opposed to just me, my personality identity, liking them. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate, Sam. And I just wanted to pop in for a second. Uh, Cause I've noticed that a lot of things for me have dropped off. And I mean, because of the choices I'm making and when I have tried to, you know, do those same things or participate from this, from this space, they're not bringing me joy and I'm okay with like, I'm totally okay with that because I see that it wasn't really joy in the first place. It was more of a, for me, an escape from, from myself or, or something else along those lines. So it's been, it's been really interesting and, and fascinating to watch. I love how you both said, um, the joy and then choosing what um, helps the soul saying that resonated deeply with me. Thank you. And I would like to agree with all that. Um, for me and Sam, you said um, about nutrition. For me, that was the sort of defining choice that I made um, to take care of myself, which started off changing my nutrition. I was going to a naturopath, really cleaning up my diet. And I was eating, I was eating pretty healthy, but I really cleaned it up. I gave up a lot of things that I ate before and um, which that made me feel so much better. And then that seemed, that felt to me like it was a very natural path that led to my spiritual path. And um, every time I gave up some of these things, the reward was just, you know, 10 or a hundred times more. Like you uh, become happier, you feel physically healthier because I was so sick from this prescription and from this toxic relationship that it felt like I was physically, my body was shutting down. And then suddenly I was coming back to life. I got that boundless energy and I was able to um, feel so much better, so much more balanced. And then I was able to clearly focus and able to clearly see the spiritual path that was being brought towards me, which is what was, I think, needed for me to get on that path actively. And, and, you know, like uh, Phoenix, what you said, it's exactly that. Um, the reward is just so much more than what you give up. And it's not really a, a joy, a happiness that it brings you. It, it just, it's almost like a crutch or a little comfort from, from something uh, else that's lacking. And you just keep getting better and better and healthier and help, happier. Definitely. That makes so much sense now that I'm looking at it. The things that we gave up were the crutch and they weren't the blessing. Wow. Exactly. It's the crutch and not really um, a happiness, not an authentic happiness. It's like 
you know, we get, we take like that little bit of um, chocolate or for me it was salt and vinegar chips or chocolate, you know, and, and it's, it's a crutch. You're not really getting any happiness from it. But when you like, let's say really clean up your diet, like I, w- I went very strict with it. Um, I started to heal from the, from the prescription. I started to heal emotionally, mentally as well, and able to actually really had to make that choice to prioritize taking care of myself because I kept giving to so, so much to everybody else. And I mean, I wasn't even at the bottom taking care of myself was not even on the bottom of the list. It didn't even make it to the bottom of the list. It was always so much everybody else was demanding from me. And it's, you know, that's the part that really had to be healed. And so um, being forced to take care of my nutrition forced me to re- reprioritize things and, and realize this. Yeah, it's, it's like a crutch or a habit. It's like a pattern that, that I was doing and it was out of habit. So it, it was just, and it was, I mean, basically a distraction without realizing it, you know, at the time. So it, it's, things were initially for me kind of hard to give up, but, but the consequence of giving that up and finding true joy, not, not sort of artificial is, is the, that's why I kind of walk around in joy most of the time because it's, it's amazing. Thank you all so much. If I would like to um, ask you all for any closing thoughts, we're coming up on an hour. This has been a spiritual awakening, the point of no return. And it's been uh, brought to you by new earth network.club. Any closing thoughts from anyone? I have a, I have a little thought that kind of ties in with the last um, part that we were just talking about as well. Um, I think that coming to understand that when one door closes, another door opens and like, if it's, if it's something that you give up, that is a crutch or is something that you're using or relying on to kind of get you to a place of happiness or joy, but it's not like you said, Monica, an authentic place that no matter what the sacrifice or the, or the giving up of that thing will be something's going to replace it which is going to be so much more fulfilling and so much more um deserving uh, of of your attention or of your um of your love and of your appreciation because i've definitely over the last year gone through massive shifts and changes of moving cities uh leaving old relationships and I feel so grateful that I've been able to let go of all of that, and and I've given my plate, given myself room to um, to have new amazing things and people come into my life, which I need to always remember and uh, put some put that gratitude in for because when you're grateful and you're appreciative of, of those things, then it will just continue to grow and continue to flourish, and you'll have more and more to be grateful for. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Mark. When you said moving cities, you were talking about, you know, focusing your attention and stuff. And I literally saw you taking your hands, picking up Chicago and moving it to the West Coast. <laughs> right. Well, and then, and then, and then from, and then from LA also down to San Diego. And that was just a completely unexpected 
shift as well and something that I'm so blessed to like I'm sitting here right now on the beach watching the surfers and it's just a piece of paradise and I yeah I need to be always aware of how how incredibly lucky I am and, and how my luck is not just a one-off thing it's just something that will always continue and it's a it's a state of mind that you need to sort of constantly be in that um that yeah you you always have more to be grateful for Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I would like to close it with my final thoughts, if you don't mind. Um, and it's reminding me of a near-death experience I had when I ended up in the void. And that, for me, was a point of return versus a point of no return. At the same time, it was also a point of no return because once I chose to come back into creation, I was part of creation yet again. And the one thing that I brought back that was the most important thing is that each and every one of us create the meaning in everything in our lives. Whatever we assign meaning to is what we have devoted our attention to and our energy to. And that is what makes us the creators is in the meaning that we give. So. Yes. <laughs> nice. So thank, thank you for joining us. And we will be back next week at 530 Pacific time on Clubhouse and the New Earth Network Club. And if you want to go see a list of our upcoming topics or suggest a topic, please go to newearthnetwork.club. Thank you for joining, and we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Dawn and everybody.